This program is made possible by BibleWayMedia.org, overseen by the Uloga Church of Christ in Uloga, Oklahoma. You're listening to Opening the Scriptures with Don Boyd. This is Don Boyd. I want to welcome you to Opening the Scriptures. Today I want to look at kind of an unusual title of a lesson, but it's the day Satan went fishing. I want to use an illustration before we get into the lesson to kind of help uh, explain some of the things that we're going to be talking about. It was a few weeks ago, one of our sons came to visit with us, and he and I went fishing on one of the neighbor's ponds, or actually a couple of the neighbor's ponds. The first one that we came to, there was no moss or anything like that. We were able to fish, and we brought three different kinds of bait with us or artificial bait he was using spinners and I was using uh, soft plastic plastic worm plastic crawfish stuff like that and if we fished a while there he was catching those bass his largemouth black bass on the spinners and I only had one on the plastic worm didn't get anything on the plastic crawfish so I decided it's time for me to change bait so I changed over to a spinner and I started catching them too. Well, after a while, we decided we'd go over to another one of the, this friend's ponds and we got over there and it was almost moss covered. So the spinners wouldn't work there. Uh, the plastic, really soft plastic, wouldn't work too good either. Now, he was trying something called a, a fluke, which is a little minotype looking plastic uh, lure. And I decided to put on a buzz bait so that I could run the bait over the top of the water. And that buzz bait, my second cast, I caught one. And I moved around the pond a little bit and I started catching more on the buzz bait. And he decided that he was going to use a buzz bait too. So what we did was we were trying to figure out what kind of bait that those fish were going to hit. And in each case, we discovered the bait that was working the best, and that's what we used. Well, that's just an illustration to show that Satan uses the same thing on you and me, on human beings. Satan has three different kinds of bait in his tackle box. We'll just call it that for now. And they're found in 1 John chapter 2, verse 16. For John says, For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life, is not of the Father, but is of the world. So the devil has three, these three kinds of bait there that he uses on human beings, you and me. The lust of the flesh, the word lust here in both cases where it says the lust of the flesh and the lust of the eyes. The Greek word there means a longing for what is forbidden. And that is what the devil uses. He uses different kinds of bait. Because not every kind of bait works on every fish. You know, your catfish Charlie stink bait is not going to work that well on a largemouth bass. He's really not going to be tempted by that, but for a catfish... Nah, catfish likes that stuff, or Danny Kings, or whatever you want to use there. 
and you think about a, a bluegill, a perch in the perch family or something like that, they're not going to be tempted to bite a musky lure that's bigger than they are. So you have to determine what kind of bait you're going to use for the different kinds of fish, and that's what the devil does. He determines what kind of bait that he is going to use for the different human beings. Now we go over to James chapter 1. James chapter 1, we're going to look at verses 13 through 15. And we're going to use this illustration of the fish and then the illustration of us, the human beings. James writes, Let no man be tempted, or say when he is tempted, I'm tempted of God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, neither tempteth he any man. But every man is tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust. And that word lust is the same that we saw over there in 1 John 2.15 or 2.16 where he talks about the lust. And that is the longing for that which is uh, forbidden. So he's tempted when he is drawn away of his own lust and enticed. Then when lust hath conceived it bringeth forth sin. And sin when it is finished bringeth forth death. Now let's go back to the illustration of a fish. We kind of tie that into what we're looking at here. See, what my son and I were doing is we were trying to entice those fish into biting something that really wasn't something they'd ever seen before, something they're not used to doing. You know, they're not used to eating a MEPS number three spinner as it goes through the water there, but it is in, it's an enticement. It's something that catches the eye, and whenever it works, well, that's what we're looking at. Or that buzz bait. You know, have you ever been out anywhere and saw something like a buzz bait just skimming across the top of the water, making all that kinds of racket all the way? Well, that bass probably hadn't either, but it was an enticement. And that's what the word tempted here in verse, uh, the two in verse 13 and the one in verse 14, the word tempt is there means to entice. So you're trying to get this fish's attention. Well, that's what the devil is doing. He's trying to get our attention with whatever kind of bait that we will bite. The devil is going, what kind of bait can I use that will get Don to bite? Now, what tempts me may not even tempt you at all. Or what tempts you may not even tempt me at all. But there are different enticements. We're drawn away, you notice, of our own lust. Some people are enticed by gambling some by alcohol, some by pornography, some by lying, I mean, and on tobacco, and on and on and on we could go. But all of these tools are different lures in Satan's tackle box under the three headings there, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life. Well, you know, Going back to the fish, as long as that old fish 
stays down there on the bottom or stays under the moss or under the log or under the rock or whatever, then that fish is safe. But when that lure goes by, we'll say that spinner goes by, he looks at it and he's enticed. He has a longing for that that is going by. And then the verse 14 says there at the end, drawn away of his own lust and enticed. There's the past tense. The word enticed there means to entrap. So that fish, whenever he sees it there, he's enticed and he's trapped by it. Oh, I'm going to get that. It looks so good. I don't know what it is, but I'm sure going to eat it. And isn't that the way the devil does with us? You know, there may be things that, you know, we've never experienced these things before, but we're drawn away. The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. But all these various lures that the devil uses within those three categories that he has in his tackle box. Well, then he says, when lust, verse 15, then when lust hath conceived, that's when that old bass sees that lure and he grabs it. He's captured. That's what that word there means. Conceived means it's captured. And whenever the devil looks at us and he throws this enticement out there and we have this longing for it again, whatever it may be, various, you know, you go to Galatians 5, 19 to 21, they're the works of the flesh. And you look at the sins that are mentioned in 1 Corinthians 6 and various other places. All of these things are enticements that the devil is casting at us to try to get us to bite. Well, going back to that fish. When lust hath conceived, in other words, he's caught, it bringeth forth sin, it produces. Well, it's not going to produce sin in the fish, but it's going to produce a capture. Well, whenever we take the bait that Satan has cast our way, that produces sin. Whether it's a longing for what is forbidden from the flesh or forbidden for the eyes or the pride of this life, we are captured. It bringeth forth sin. We have committed sin, and sin, when it is finished, bringeth forth death. You know, there were five of those bass that we caught that we brought home, we cleaned them, I filleted them, we fried them up, and we enjoyed them. It produced death in those fish. Well, we, whenever we sin, it produces death. In Romans chapter 6, verse 23, it tells us there that the wages of sin is death. It produces spiritual death in us. Well, you think about it also, 
whenever we sin in that way, it's kind of like that fish going after this artificial bait. You know, it's not a minnow, it's not a crawfish, it's not a fish of some kind that they're going to eat, but it's an artificial thing. When you go to Hebrews chapter 11, and we're going to read verses 24 down to 27, it says, By faith when Moses he was come to years refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season, esteeming the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures in Egypt, for he had respect to the recompense of the reward. All right, through verse 26 there. But you'll notice verse 25. To suffer affliction with the people of God than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a season. You see that, that going back to the fish, that fish hit artificial bait. There was nothing pleasing about that bait. Now he thought it was going to be, he thought it was going to be wonderful, he thought it was going to fulfill his stomach, but it's the same way with sin. Sin is fun, or people wouldn't do it, but you'll notice the pleasures of sin are for a season, they're for a little bit, they're artificial. The pleasures of sin are artificial. They are not fulfilling. Just like that MEPS number three spinner or that buzz bait, they were not fulfilling to that black bass. They were enticement and capture. And that's the way the devil does us. You ever thought about it? that the things we say, now God knows everything we say, he knows everything we think. The devil doesn't know what we think, but he knows the way we act, he knows the things we say and such things as that. So if we have some temptation that's gonna entice us, maybe we ought not to be telling him about it, but telling God about it so that we can overcome that. Now, anyway, I want to go to an example. Unless we're going to look at at least two, maybe three examples here of when de- the devil goes fishing. Let's go to Genesis chapter 3. This is the first day the devil went fishing on earth. In Genesis chapter 3, verse 1, it says, Now the serpent was more subtle than any beast of the field which the Lord God had made. So we see it's subtle. Uh, You know, a fisherman is kind of subtle as well. He's trying to figure out what is going to make that fish bite. What kind of bait? What's my circumstances here? What's the water like? What's the temperature? Is it running water? Is it still water? Is it cold? Is it hot? You know, such as that. Well, that's the devil. He is more subtle. And you'll notice... The first thing he did, this is his first cast. Yea, God said, you shall not eat of every tree of the garden. You see, right there, the devil is getting her attention. You see, guys, the first thing, that's what he tries to do, get our attention. Get our attention through the, you know, all the commercials on the lottery. 
Oh, look how much money you could win in the lottery. Well, that's gambling. That's sin. But that's a temptation. Also, the movies we watch, the things that are said, the things that are done, the things that we see. He's trying to get our attention, and that's what he did with Eve. He got her attention because she answered. Verse 2, And the woman said to the serpent, We may eat of the fruit of the trees of the garden, but of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of Eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. Well, she had the right answer because you go back to chapter 2 and verse 16 and 17. So the Lord God commanded the man, saying, Of every tree of the garden thou mayest freely eat, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil thou shalt not eat of it, for in the day that thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. But you see, the devil got her attention. And then you'll notice also there in verse 3, she says, But of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, God has said, You shall not eat of it, neither shall you touch it, lest you die. But you'll notice the tree is in the midst of the garden. She's not at the tree. It's in the midst of the garden. Well, then the devil makes a second cast. You know, sometimes you got to get that fish's attention. And the second time you come through there, well, maybe the first bait didn't work right, but you cast something else in there now. And that's what the devil did. Verse 4, the serpent said to the woman, You shall not surely die. Don't worry about that. You know, we make that second cast toward those fish out there, and we're going, don't worry about this lure. Come on and bite. Come on and bite it. I've enticed you. Now it's time for you to bite. So that's his second cast. You know, he really did cast a little doubt there that first time. God said you can't eat of every tree. What's the deal here? Well, you won't die. By the way, Eve, what does it mean to die? Have you seen any dead animals, anything that was dead? Do you know what death is? Well, then uh, the devil makes another cast. And in verse 5 he says, For God doth know that in the day ye eat thereof, then your eyes shall be opened, and ye shall be as gods, knowing good and evil. There's that next cast. He cast first, got her attention. His second cast, <clears throat> a little bit different. Now the third cast. Eve, look what you're missing out on. If you will just eat of that fruit, your life will be so much better. Your life will be fulfilled. Your life, uh, you're, just, you're just missing out on so much. Don't you want to be like God? You see, God knows what good and evil are. Do you know what good is, Eve? Do you know what evil is, Eve? You take a bite of that fruit, and you'll know. Look at what just 
one bite of one little piece of fruit will do for you. And isn't that the way the devil does us as well? He cast that pornography, whether it's on the computer or on the TV or in the movie or whatever, or even out in Walmart or somewhere, people don't dress modestly. But he casts that, and he tries to get our attention. That alcohol, that tobacco, that lying, that gambling, he's making these casts. And he's saying, look how much your life will be fulfilled. Look at what you are missing out on. You can have so much joy and pleasure and fulfillment in your life if you'll just have this one night fling. If you'll just take that first drink of alcohol. If you'll just smoke that first joint of marijuana or whatever drug you may talk about. Look what you're missing out on. He's telling Eve, you'll be like, you'll be gods. Look what you're missing out on. In verse 6, we see the devil caught her. Now he used all three tools in his tackle box, but he caught her. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food, the lust of the flesh, and that it was pleasant to the eyes, the lust of the eyes, and a tree to be desired to make one wise, the pride of life. You see, the devil used all three lures there in and out of his tackle box. And what happened? She took the fruit thereof and did eat. She was caught. He caught her there. But you see, that's not the only catch the devil made. It says, And gave also unto her husband with her, and he did eat. You ever caught two fish on the same lure? The devil did right there. He caught two fish, two human beings, on the same lure. You see, Adam failed in his responsibility. The first thing Adam should have done was to come over there and say, don't listen to the snake. God has said this. Don't listen to the devil. God has said this. No. But he didn't do that. He was apparently watching and listening the whole time. See, there's this other fish out there watching this lure. You know, it may have to be a lure, a crankbait or something with two hooks on it. But you catch to it one time, every once in a while it happens. And that's what the devil did. Adam should, before Eve, when Eve reached out to take that fruit, Adam should have it tackled her or grabbed her and pulled her away or something, but he didn't do it. You see, he was falling into that same trap. And both of them bit. And the great expectation 
that they had wasn't there. Verse 7 says, The eyes of both of them were opened, and they knew they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and made themselves aprons, and they heard the voice, or the sound, the voice, American Standard says sound, of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. And Adam and his wife hid themselves from the presence of the Lord God among the trees of the garden. You see, they hid themselves. They were no longer innocent. They had sinned. So they hid themselves from God. They never had to do that before. Whenever we sin, do we try to hide that sin from others? We may hide it from other people, but we don't hide it from God because God knows what we have done continuing there in verse 9. And the Lord God called unto Adam and said unto him, Where art thou? Well, you think about it. Did God know where Adam was? Yeah. Did God know where Eve was? Yeah. Why did God ask that question then? To make Adam and Eve realize where they were spiritually. Verse 10, he said, I heard thy voice in the garden, and I was afraid because I was naked and I hid myself. You see, sin makes us hide. We may hide that sin from our parents. We may hide that sin from our spouse. We may hide that sin from our co-workers or our friends but we still know what we did and Adam knew what he did and God still knows what we did and God knew what Adam and Eve did. Verse 11, God speaking, he said, Who told thee that thou wast naked? Hast thou eaten of the tree whereof I commanded thee that thou shouldest not eat? See, the devil caught him. He caught Eve. And there's punishment. We could go and continue there in reading that. There's punishment for the man and for the woman. But the devil, yeah, he was, well, there's punishment for him too. But, you know, he succeeded in what he wanted to do. I want to look at another example. And this is over in Joshua chapter 7. We're going to look a little bit at Joshua chapter 6 as well. The children of Israel just had a great victory there at the city of Jericho. There were some stipulations that were made there, and this is Joshua 6 verses 17 to 19. It says, the city shall be accursed, the American Standard Version says, devoted, even it and all that are therein to the Lord, only Rahab the harlot shall live, and she and all that are in 
are with her in the house because she hid the messengers that we sent. And ye in any wise keep yourselves from that accursed thing, that devoted thing, lest ye make yourselves accursed when ye have taken of the accursed thing and make the camp of Israel a curse and trouble it. But all the silver and gold and vessels of brass and iron are consecrated unto the Lord. They shall come into the treasury of the Lord. And we find that they burnt the city with fire as well. In verse 24 it says, They burnt the city with fire and all that was therein, only the gold of silver and the gold and the vessels of brass and of iron put they into the treasury of the house of the Lord. You see, Jericho was the first fruits there of the land of Canaan, and God always required the first fruits. So everything that was going to be, that could be devoured by fire was. And then the gold and the silver and everything that would not be devoured by the fire was brought to the treasury of the Lord. Well, we find in chapter 7, verse 1, that the children of Israel committed a trespass in the accursed thing for Achan, the son of Carmi, the son of Zabdi, the son of Zerah, of the tribe of Judah, took of the accursed thing, and the anger of the Lord was kindled against the children of Israel. And when they went up to battle against the little city of Ai, they were smitten before Ai. They didn't consult with God and such, you know, with a lot more lessons there in that. But we come down to verse 19. Achan has been found out. You know, they, had, they walked through there and God chose Achan as being the one who had done this evil deed. And we see Kate, uh, Satan fishing again with Achan. In verse 19, Joshua said unto Achan, My son, give, I pray thee, glory to God of Israel, the Lord God of Israel, and make confession unto him, and tell me now what thou hast done. Hide it not from me. You see, he had hidden this sin, and it cost 36 men their lives. We find that back in chapter 7, verse 5. Well, verse 20, Achan answered Joshua and said, Indeed, I have sinned against the Lord God of Israel, and thus and thus have I done. When I saw among the spoils a goodly Babylonian garment, 200 shekels of silver, and a wedge of gold, 50 shekels weight, I saw the devil made his cast the lust of the eye. You see, wealth also would fall into, or ill-gotten gain, we'll put it that way. Wealth is not, having wealth is not a sin, but wealth controlling us is a sin. The rich young ruler is an example of that. So Satan made a cast at Achan, and he saw something that he desired because it says then then I coveted them the lust of the flesh I wanted that I wanted that you look at our lives and do we see things that we long for that we should not have that's the devil casting his bait at us 
and he didn't even have to cast the pride of life at Achan because he coveted them and took them. I took it. And you'll notice also, and behold, they're hid in the earth in the midst of my tent and the silver under it. Adam and Eve hid from God. Achan hid what he had done as well. But it's hidden in the midst of his tent. You see, he didn't hide that from his family. His family knew where it was because it was there in the middle of his tent. They knew about it. And what they should have done was turned him in. But they didn't. And they paid the price for that too. So Satan didn't have to use all of the tools in his, or the baits in his tackle box to catch Achan. But, you know, the devil caught two fish. When he tempted Adam and Eve, he caught a whole family here. In verse 22, says, so Joshua sent messengers and they ran into the tent. Behold, it was hid in his tent and the silver under it. And they took them out of the midst of the tent and brought them unto Joshua and unto all the children of Israel and laid them out before the Lord. And Joshua and all Israel with him took Achan, the son of Zerah, and the silver and the garment and the wedge of gold and his sons and his daughters and his oxen and his donkeys and his sheep and his tent and all that he had, and they brought them to the valley of Achor. You see right there, we find out as Moses told the, told the children of Reuben, Gad, Manasseh, whenever they had received their inheritance there on the east side of the Jordan River, he said, be sure your sin will find you out. We need to understand that. Be sure our sin will find us out. We're either going to confess it to God now and repent of it, or we're going to, it's going to be made known on Judgment Day. It's going to be found out. In verse 25, Joshua said, Why hast thou troubled us? The Lord shall trouble thee this day. And all Israel stoned him with stones and burned them with fire after they had stoned them with stones. Whole family there that Satan caught. What are we doing to try to keep Satan from catching our family? What are we doing? Are we studying with them? Are we teaching them the morals that are found in the Bible? Modest dress? Don't lie? I mean, on and on we could go because the devil is casting these things at us. Now I want to look at another example and this is leading us to the fact that we don't have to take the bait. You see, you go to Matthew chapter 4. The devil used the same things on Jesus. He used everything in his tackle box. Chapter 4, verse 1 of Matthew. Then was Jesus led up of the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted of the devil. And when he had fasted forty days and nights... He was afterward hungered. Well, that's just logical. If I hadn't eaten for 40 days and 40 nights, I'd be hungry too. I may get hungry after four hours. Well, 
Verse 3, when the tempter came to him, he said, If thou be the Son of God, command these stones to be made bread. You know, you're hungry. The devil knew who Jesus was. One rendering could be, since it is the case, that you're the Son of God. You're hungry. Command that these stones be made bread. You can eat. That's all you've got to do. The lust of the flesh. There it is, the lust of the flesh. Verse 4, Jesus, he answered and said, It is written, Man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. You know, Jesus could go somewhere and get bread. He didn't have to do that. And it would have been sin for him to do that. That's not the purpose for miracles. Well, verse 5, The devil taketh him up into the holy city and setteth him on the pinnacle of the temple and said, If thou be the Son of God, cast thyself down. For it is written, He shall give his angels charge concerning thee, and in their hands shall they bear thee up, lest at any time thou dash thy foot against a stone. See, here's the pride of life. You know, if... <laughs> If you're the Son of God, jump off. God will protect you. God's not going to allow you to even dash your foot on a stone. So just jump off. That's the pride of life. And you'll notice the devil used Scripture there. Jesus used Scripture to refute the devil's first temptation. The devil goes, well, I know Scripture too. And here's what it says back in the book of Psalms. Matter of fact, you go read Psalm 91, 11, and 12, you're going to find that there. But you see, the devil misused the scripture, just like the denominational world, false teachers, do today. Here's what the scripture says, but they misuse it. They twist it. They rest it, as Peter said over in 2 Peter chapter 3. They twist the scriptures to their own destruction. And you see, that's what the devil is doing. He, he misrepresented what that scripture really means. Well, Jesus said to him, It is written again, verse 7, Thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. Oh, God will protect, oh God will protect me. You know, I'll step out in front of this train. Ah, the train's going to go off the track. God will protect me. Or, you know, whatever. Some people just go off a little bit crazy on these things God will protect me well Jesus said don't tempt the Lord your God so the devil made another cast verse 8 the devil taketh him up into an exceeding high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and the glory of them lust of the eyes and he said unto him all these things will I give thee if thou wilt fall down and worship me all these things I'll give you. Well, who created it all? Jesus did. Did the devil have all that to give him? No. But I've heard another explanation concerning this. The devil may be telling Jesus, you know, you come to be a king. I'll make you a king right now without a cross. You can do it right now. You won't have to go to the cross. You can be a king. Well, 
Verse 10, Then saith Jesus unto him, Get thee hence, Satan, for it is written, Thou shalt worship the Lord thy God, and him only shalt thou serve. Only serve God. Jesus used scripture every time. Now, going back to the illustration of a fish, does a fisherman ever give up? You know, if my son and I had didn't catch any fish at this neighbor's pond, this friend's pond, would we never go back again? No. Because you go over to the book of Luke, you see the parallel passages here. And verse 13 says, And when the devil had ended all the temptation, he departed from him for a season. See, he's still fishing. He's still fishing for Jesus. That word season, you look it up in the Greek, it means an occasion, a set or proper time. You see, the devil, he never stops fishing for us. You know, I mentioned in the title of the lesson, the day Satan went fishing. Satan has been fishing for human beings every day since Adam and Eve. And he's still fishing for us. Over in 1 Peter chapter 5, look at verses 8 and 9. 1 Peter chapter 5, verses 8 and 9. He says, Be sober, be vigilant, because your adversary the devil is a roaring lion walketh about, seeking whom he may devour. He wants to gulp us down. And that little word seeking there, you look in the Greek, it means to plot. You know, doesn't a fisherman, before he goes, plans out what kind of bait he's going to use. He may wait till he gets there and see what the circumstances are again. We mentioned earlier the temperature of the water, temperature of the air, uh, what kind of vegetation is there, is there any cover, is there any underbrush, all kinds of things like that. So the devil is plotting for us. He comes in and looks at the circumstances, where we are and what we're doing and what we're saying. But verse 9 says, Whom resist steadfast in the faith, knowing that the same afflictions are accomplished in your brethren in the world. You see, Jesus resisted the devil, and you and I can too. Whenever we are drawn away of our own lust and the devil's enticing us, no, we don't have to do that. We don't have to follow. We can resist the devil. You go, uh, how? Wait a minute, how? How do we resist the devil? Well, let's go back to the book of James again. And let's go over to chapter 4. And verses 7 and 8. James 4, 7 says, Submit yourselves therefore to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Right there, we can resist. We can stand against the devil. And how do we do that? We submit ourselves to God. That's how we resist. Draw nigh to God, verse 8 says, he'll draw nigh to you. And then he says, cleanse your hands, ye sinners, and purify your hearts, ye double-minded. You know, if we fall into these temptations and we fall for this sin well the first thing he says cleanse your hands cleanse your outward and cleanse your heart your inward we need to be clean 
Now, before we become a Christian, we do that through the five steps of salvation. Hear, believe, repent, confess, and be baptized for the remission of sins. But afterward, we have to do something differently, do we not? Over in the book of 1 John, chapter 1, in verse 7 and down through verse 10. But if we walk in the light, as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another, and the blood of Jesus Christ his Son cleanses us from all sin. Walking in the light. That's another way we resist. Verse 8, if we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So right there, we confess our sins to God whenever we fall for those things. Because the devil catches us, doesn't he? But we don't have to stay on the hook. But we don't even have to fall for it because over in the book of 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13, 1 Corinthians chapter 10 verse 13 says, There hath no temptation taken you, but such as is common to man. But God is faithful, who will not suffer you or allow you to be tempted above that you're able, but will with the temptation also make a way to escape that you may be able to bear it. So right there. God always makes a way for us to escape whenever we are drawn away. Longing for those things that are forbidden. Whenever that opportunity for sin comes, God gives the opportunity to escape it. To escape that temptation. You know, Joseph, whenever he was propositioned there by Potiphar's wife, on the last time there, he said he, he ran. Sometimes we just need to run. You know, that old fish there, whenever he sees that bait coming, if he runs away from it, he's not going to be caught. Well, if we see that temptation coming and we run away from it, we're not going to be caught. And over in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 57 and 58, says, But thanks be to God which giveth us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. That's victory over sin. Victory in this life. Being obedient to God. And then he says, verse 58, Therefore, my beloved brethren, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, for as much as you know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord. We need to be steadfast. We need to be unmovable. We need to be like Paul mentioned there in 2 Timothy chapter 4. 2 Timothy chapter 4. And in verses 6 through 8, Paul says, For I am now ready to be offered the time of my departure is at hand. He said, I fought a good fight. I finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give me at that day, and not to me only, but unto all them also that love his appearing. 
See, we need to fight that good fight. Fight for the word of God. Fight against the devil. Fight against sin. Fight against those temptations. We need to finish the course. You know, we are in a race. And we need to finish that race with God, for God, and keep the faith. If we do that, there's going to be that crown of righteousness laid up at the end. We're not going to wind up gulped down like Satan. We're not going to wind up like that fish that's thrown into the fryer and devoured. The devil wants to do that. That's why he keeps fishing. He keeps fishing because he wants to devour every one of us. And if you are a faithful child of God, he wants you more than anything because he's got the rest of them. You know, the majority of this world, the devil is caught. They're in Matthew chapter 7, verses 13 and 14. Matthew seven thirteen and 14, Enter ye in at the straight gate, for wide is the gate, and broad is the way that leadeth to destruction, and many there be which go in thereat. Many. Because straight is the gate, and narrow is the way which leadeth unto life, and few there be that find it. See, the devil has the many. He wants the few. He's plotting against the few. He wants to take us captive. He wants us to hide our sin. And you know, as we look at our own lives, what kind of fish are we? We know what tempts us. And again, different temptations for different people. But we know what tempts us. We need to be prepared when those temptations come so that we will draw nigh to God and resist the devil. So as we look at our lives today, what kind of fish are we? Have we taken the bait? Are we caught by Satan? Or are we resisting those temptations? Well, again, this is Don Boyd. I want to thank you for tuning in to Opening the Scriptures today. And I look forward to being with you next time. When you're in Moody, Missouri, you're invited to visit the Moody Church of Christ, located on Highway E in Moody, Missouri. The congregation there meets on Sunday morning at 10 a.m. for Bible class, 11 a.m. for worship, and then again at 6 p.m. for Sunday evening worship. They also meet at 6 p.m. on Wednesday night for Bible study. We thank you for tuning in today. We hope you enjoyed this program. You can find out more about Byway Media by visiting us at bywaymedia.org. You can also find us on several uh, social media platforms now. You can find us not only on Facebook, but you can also can find us on Tumblr. You can also find us on the Twitter alternative known as Telegram and on the Facebook alternative known as MeWe. We hope you enjoyed this program. We hope you will share with others. And as always, we thank you for listening.